Welcome to the Whiskey Congress. Honest, open talk dedicated to speaking the truth to those who are open to hearing it. Black, white, right, left. Most importantly, honest, bold, and fueled by good whiskey. In Whiskey Veritas, we are Whiskey Congress. Join the evolution. Whiskey Congress is back in session after a week off. Um, Steve and I are together in the Cleveland studio. Mm-hmm. How's it going, man? Good, man. You know, I've been... Uh, You've been hustling. Yeah, been 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 humping it. I uh, spent, spent a little time down in Kentucky this week, and, um, you know, great, great meeting down there, and, and we've got, a, I think, a long-term project that we're going to be working on down there with Somerset Community College, so uh, I'll be close to our buddy... Uh, ben, yeah. Whiskey Ben, who's down there distilling uh, some fine Kentucky bourbon, um, about an hour plus from him or so, but I'll be spending extended time down there, so he and I will get a chance to link up, so, cool. Um, you know, I know he's got some cigars for me, and he's got some Christmas tree Little Debbie snacks for me. Uh, All right, I'm not going to out you on the Christmas tree Little Debbie snacks thing, but... What? No, never mind. Nothing to say. Uh, so... Yeah, like it, it was a good meeting. It was, uh, it's, it's actually, it's really great down there, right? Weather's a little bit better than it is here, a little bit milder. Um, Much and, hillier. <laughs> yeah, it was very hilly. You know, like we were down there in the hills of Kentucky, and um, it was, it was great. The place that we're going to be working, um, I think they've got, I want to say close to like a hundred acres, and you know we're into three D printed construction, so we'll be able to actually build out there and not have to worry about pulling permits. Um, they also do some other cool stuff with some stuff that I'm interested in in the world of pew pew. Um, so that was cool to see. And then my one guy down there, Seth, my man, had a '69 SS Camaro that he re- rebuilt with a Z06 Corvette engine in it. Okay. Um, so he and I are, are we quickly became friends between uh, guns and cars and 3D printing and everything else. So um, it was just it was it was a great trip. Was um, it was it restored like to the original or was it modernized? It well so again it, so it had a '69 shell, right? Um, and everything like looking at it from the outside, um, even on the inside, you would think it was like restored original. Um, he's doing some work on the dash because he wants to put in like a flip up like media console um you know i mean he works in a 3d printing lab so you know like to think he's going to ride around with like an old school radio is not acceptable but uh but it was modernized because like i said it had a corvette z06 engine in it i meant more like the interior and the yeah no the like everything on the inside like i said like if you just doing a quick once over you would think restored original or pretty close to it um like i said he's he's putting in a dash and um I, or, I love that idea, taking a fancy old yeah, muscle car. Yeah, that's always been my thing. We've and talked the, about this before. And, and the purists get really upset. But I'm like, if I'm doing an uh, old Camaro or a Charger or a Challenger or something, like, I want to go fast. Like, when you saw those cars, they were going fast at that time. Right. And now, like, no power steering, no anti-lock brakes, like, driving. No air conditioning. No, it, like, come on, that stuff, is, uh, come on, we're, no, we're, I'm not doing that. Like, I mean, if you want to be a purist no, fuck and that. you're not going to drive huh. your car and you're just going to put it on a trailer to sh- take it around the shows, okay. But when I collect stuff, like, I don't collect it to sit there and look at it. Which is why I'm terrible. Like when you know when I drank and collected whiskey, the problem was I drank it because it's good. That's why it's worth something. <laughs> um, you know, cigars. Like I will give them more time because I understand they need to sit in the humidor for certain periods of time to kind of get a little bit better. 
Um, but I smoke my cigars, my Cubans, my, you know, one-offs that come out from the different cigar makers. Like, I enjoy it. And if I restored an old car, I'm, I want to enjoy it because I think it's cool. Cars are cool. Going fast is cool. And so I want to do those things. So fuck yeah, I'm going to modernize it. I'm going to put a Hellcat engine or a Z06 or whatever engine in that old body because that muscle car look is fucking classic and looks great, but that technology sucked. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've told you, my fantasy is to drop a Tesla interior into like an old Monte Carlo or one of those old, well, you know, I mean, I love the old and, Monte Carlos. Then you go and ruin it with Tesla talk. I, no, because you hate Elon Musk. Um, I do. I know. You've, because you've, he's Cobra Commander. You, okay. <laughs> I'm not letting you go on your Elon Musk fuck off rant. Okay. Am I wrong? I'm not doing this. I'm doing it. He buys. He's not Cobra so Commander. So first of all, first of all, he, so he, he's got this Neuralink, right, which is a chip that you implant, you implant in your brain, right, that is basically like an AI assistant, right? Then he's got these Tesla cars that are automated, right, so that you don't have to drive them, meaning that they control how you get to where you get to when you get there. If you don't want you to see something, then you don't have to see it. They've got things in place with the insurance, like you get your insurance through Tesla, and, oh, guess what? If you drive after 10 o'clock, your rates go up, so you're strongly encouraged not to drive after a certain time because if you do, your insurance will go up. Okay, so then he goes and he buys Twitter, turns it into X, and wants to turn that into this giant commerce platform of which he has control of not over what, not only what you buy, but what you say and what you see and what you hear. Um, then, this is so what I was trying to avoid. <laughs> then, then he's got Starlink. He's got satellites up in the sky that connect to cell phones, that connect to... He can use that militaries want to use that are flying all through the sky. He's offering cell phone service. So then he'll have control over your communication. I'm sorry. That to me sounds like the basis and the platform of what Cobra Commander wanted to do every time he tried to steal a fucking weapon. But he fucked it up every time. He did. And Elon Musk is doing a fantastic job of fucking up Twitter and calling it X and everything else. I'm not saying, I mean, Cobra Commander never won. He came close. Right? But, I mean, so it, you just helped my point. Cobra Commander always okay. fucked up. Okay. Elon Musk is fucking up. Let's ask, let's ask our buddy Market Ben about Tesla. He just posted something out the other day, which I thought was hilarious. He used a South Park gif saying, like, if you're long on Tesla, you're going to have a bad time. And that's a gif from South Park when, they were, when the instructor was teaching people how to ski. You know, it's just like you, you go pizza or taco or whatever, and if you're if you're going too fast and you hit a tree, you're going to have a bad time. You know, anyway, you have to oh, see the episode okay. to understand. All right. Anyway, we're going to we're going to have a South, we're going to have a South Park day. OK, where we uh, partake in some newly legal plantage here in Ohio and, and watch South Park so I can get you up to speed with all my fantastic that, takes that <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, would it, or would it? Yes. All right. So anyway. And then there's the South, South Park episode about when uh, Randy fucked the pangolin in China and started oh, the I've whole seen that one. pandemic thing, um, which is great. Th that was the pandemic special, and that was one of my favorite episodes yes. ever. Yes. I fucked the pangolin? So, have I, no, I have not. I've never seen a pangolin. But I, but I love when, he, when he's trying to pretend to be a scientist, he goes in there and goes, someone raped that pangolin? He goes, oh, now it's rape. Yes. <laughs> it's, um, right. And, you know, the rat, Mickey, in, in China. It was <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so. We are derailing. 
Speaking of no, China, we're though. not derailing. Speaking, speaking of China, huh? Oh, look you at You like what I did? Segue, little segue. You from like Steven. what I did? Little segue from Steven. I set so, that up. You well, what, I my first well, South Park. My first South Park reference was intended to be able to set us up to go into this. You are You're welcome. You, you, well done, well done. Um, so Biden and Xi met in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and this is where Biden does really make me nervous because when he's from, I've heard mixed things about how the meeting went. But when he's got to speak one-on-one with other world leaders, if he's coherent Joe Biden, he's been around, he's experienced, not so bad. When he ain't coherent Joe Biden, when it's fucking when he's, ugly. When he's old man Papa Joe. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't, we've all seen, you know, Fox News portrays it like the guy can't walk onto a stage. He's not that bad, but he's had some moments. I mean, He shows look, his age I, a lot. He does, and I mean... I don't know why Mitch McConnell freezes like he does uh, or has done uh, these last few times, but you know, so, what if something like that happens with Biden in a meeting with with the G, with G or, or what if yeah. something like that happens with Mc, Mitch McConnell and somebody like you know? I mean, he's sure. you know. Um, uh, so I, listen, I don't think I need to say my feelings on Joe Biden on this show. You right? You have been clear. Um, since 2015, I, or since well, before that, 2007, I, you know, I mean, because okay. I didn't like Joe Biden as Obama's vice president, right? Um, and so I, I didn't like the idea of him running for president, and I don't necessarily like him. I think they have done some good things. They got the infrastructure thing through. You know, they've definitely, you know, given the line of work that I'm in, there's been money out sure. there to support it. So I, you know, like he's done plenty of good, but I think... You got to think big picture, and now here we are with him, eighty plus years old, you know, running for re-election, um, clearly showing decline and slowing down, which is getting you know the, people noticing. Even there's more and more, you know, rumbling from the Democrats, like eh, I don't know, maybe we should go with somebody else, and that's that's, that's growing, that's happening. right? Like that's growing. You, like you're seeing a, a a challenge out of the guy out of Minnesota who Dean came, Phillips, Dean who Phillips, I- yes. Um, and listen, Dean Phillips seems like, you know, good guy, solid guy, could be a good candidate, but you don't typically see that, right? Right. So, look, you know, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This is, it's, it's, you know, scary. You know, it's like when your, your football team isn't good. Like right now, the Steelers aren't good on offense and they give up a lot of yards on defense, but they're winning games. And Joe Biden, I, you know, he's kind of. He's out there winning games, and we're not sure how he's doing it because everything looks bad. But it's—I don't know how sustainable this is with him, you know, for another five years. Right. This is making me think of something that could totally derail the conversation. But it's kind of like when I have to deal with my old racist uncle being out in public. It's like, all right, what is he going to say? Exactly. What's he going to say? He's going to think he's doing something funny, and he once when he was before, before he was suffering clearly clear mental decline he would do things like walk into um you know uh muslim owned businesses and ask for a pork sandwich and he thinks it's the funniest thing ever oh oh they can't oh, yeah yeah so it was like, oh, oh, yeah <laughs> oh so joe biden did that no but you have to think but, about well, it well yeah <laughs> exactly so now you're yeah, making my point for yeah me. i mean it, listen i mean i think the obviously the bigger picture is the the meeting with g um you know, like we know that our relationship with China has been very cold at best. 
probably over the last six months to a year. And that relationship needs to thaw, right? Like yeah. we, could, we could talk all about how we don't like China and communism and communists and all that other stuff. But the reality is, is even beyond the debt that they own of ours, um, we're so interconnected from an economic commerce standpoint that whether China likes it or not, or we like it or not, we need each other. Now, how do you get to a tenable relationship given the anxiety that has existed between Taiwan and North Korea and, you know, just Russia, you know, Russia and Africa and uh, just, you know, and a lot of it relates to, right, that interconnectivity. Right. Yeah. They're relying on us. We're relying on them. We're both competing for, you know, additional control of assets outside of our own countries, um, you know, competing against each other. And there's it's just it's a very complex situation. It's not very it's not black and white. It's not this any one thing, right? Because it's oil. It's fentanyl. you know, it's what's that? Fentanyl. Is yeah, it's, part it, of it. oil and fentanyl and other m- minerals for cell phones and all that sort of stuff. And which is why Africa is so um, um, contested, <laughs> right, and exploited, right? Because you've got China over there, you've got Europe over there, you have us over there, you have private industry over there, and we're all fighting for this and that. Right. And Americans are going to go in and say, oh, this is a humanitarian effort. But really, we're trying to figure out a way to establish better control and be able to monitor the the assets that we see on that continent. Um, And then you have China's relationship with Russia and supporting them in this war in Ukraine. And then China going into the U.N. and trying to, you know, take a a bigger role there and. you know, not to mention what they're doing to our own economy, coming in and buying real estate and, you know, driving up, you know, home prices and putting additional pressure on our, you know, domestic economic markets by getting into these markets and trying to manipulate them. And the spying and the spy balloons AI. and the play <laughs> and AI and stealing of tech and information. Um, you know, my business partner and I were joking, you know, like we had a conversation in the, in the car driving back from Kentucky last night. And then this morning I get an email from a software company, like addressing the very thing that we were talking about in the car. Okay. That, I mean, I've joked with you about this, that I want yes. to stay in front of my Google spot and talk about yes. going Kodiak bear hunting. We're and in my, not my, but we both have cell phones. We both oh, yeah. have iPads in the car. I've got my laptop in the so car. You just did my experiment for me. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, my shit, my truck is a is basically a giant computer. Right. Right? And all emitting signals all over the place. Like, so is it coincidence that we're talking about you know, learning model th- this and that and all this other stuff and needing a software company, a software engineering firm to come and help build this out for us. And then I literally this morning at 8.07 a.m., I get an email from a software en- engineering company saying that they can do this very thing that we need. That's a coincidence? 
I would be... Bitch, say I un- think not. It is not a fucking coincidence. <laughs> I'm not going to say I think not. It I mean, so, it, it can't be. So anyway, I mean, now, what does that have to do with China? I don't know, but the fact is, the fact that I don't know and that it could have something to do with China based off spying or stealing tech or ideas or it whatever could be Elon it might Musk. be, it could very well be fucking Cobra Commander Elon Musk. Yes, it could. We're not going back down the road. <laughs> but... So there's all that to say there is a lot to unpack with the U.S. and Chinese relationship. This meeting was necessary. Um, I don't know what it accomplished, to be honest with you. Um, You know, I don't think we got any movement on China and Taiwan. I don't know if we got any movement on, you know, our economic entanglements. Um, I do know that one of the things that came out of this was open lines of communication, right? Biden can call Xi, Xi can call Biden, right? Like, listen, if you call me, I'm going to pick up the phone and we could at least have a discussion. That is good, yeah. right? Like, if, if that is what was established, that is good and we needed that and that's worthwhile. Um, beyond that, I don't know what else we want. And listen, to be honest, maybe that's, maybe that's best case scenario and at minimum you have to come out with that. Right? And if at minimum you have to come out with that, then mission accomplished, good job. Right? But then let's just let's see where the relationship goes. Right? And if you came out, if you needed to come out, if, the, if your objective was to come out with establishing an open line of communication between the two countries so that using that, you can then help better this relationship, and Biden executed on that, then thumbs up to Biden. Yeah, I agree. And you're, I agree with the, with the other thing you said is we don't know yet. But communication is always the best option. One of the things that I did give Trump a lot of credit for was having direct communication with North Korea. Because if you're not communicating, that leaves you with sanctions, war, or I don't even know what option C is. All I know is that, especially with Trump and North Korea, the biggest thing that I take from that is that it's given us an opportunity to use a number of different Team America uh, references on the show, references which, which on the show it, and not on the show. In and, and of itself, that's worth it, right? And I, it's forced you me to go. Back, it's forced me to go back and watch that movie multiple times. So thank you, Trump, for that. Yes, and I rewatched it the other day and showed you a scene that had me laughing uncontrollably. Um, uh, I love that movie so much. Speaking of Mr. Trump, fuck yeah. He, um, I'm not gonna. If, if you let if you let me go down this path, it'll go badly. So Trump had a bad week. Um, (laughs) not the worst week in politics this week, but a bad fucking week. Um, so Jenna Ellis and, uh, Sidney Powell, I don't know how these depositions are getting taped and released. I would have thought. Well, so that is an issue of contention. So these are, these aren't depositions, right? So these are their, uh, they're called proffer sessions. Is it basically an interview? Yeah, it is an interview. And what it is, it's like, all right, you're going to plead out. And so before... You know, this goes final. You're you're gonna lay it all out there, right? This is the deal, but in ter- in return for this deal, you need to tell us everything. So that interview, that meeting where the the defendant tells everything is called a proffer session. Okay. So these proffer sessions are typically recorded, and for obvious reasons. Now, you know, there's this. You know, everyone's throwing out there. Oh, hearsay, blah blah blah. Again, these are. You know, interview sessions where the defendant spills everything that they know. It doesn't necessarily mean that every single thing that they say will be entered and used as evidence um, 
in a trial sort of scenario. Remember, they're pleading out, so they're not going to trial. Right. right? But this is information that they could use because, again, this is a RICO case, and you've got multiple, it's, you know, conspiracy, so you've got multiple defendants, you know, the one at the top of the pyramid is Donald Trump. So they comb through that and figure out what can they use, right, in this case to build more of a case against whoever the target is. And again, in this case, it's Donald Trump, right? So people are saying like, well, they can't use this and they can't use that. Well, not all of it is going to be used. Like, so a lot of the stuff that was leaked is under question whether it can be used against Donald Trump. And I think that, well, one, Maybe it can, maybe it can't. I don't even think that's the conversation that you need to be having, um, you know, like because that gets decided by the rules of evidence based on how the information is obtained, yada, yada. Um, I think, you know, as, as some of this stuff relates to Trump, it may not even be evidence that you use in a trial, but, you know, she's saying some of this stuff about their, the, it gives you an idea of their mindset in, this, in these different situations. So, you know, the big, discussion with Jenna Ellis is, you know, at a Christmas party, you know, December 19th, you know, Trump's, you know, vice chief of staff or whatever comes in and basically says, look, I'm paraphrasing, but like under no circumstances are we leaving the White House. It doesn't matter what you say. And Jenna Ellis is like, yeah, but there's no proof that there was any foul play. I think, I don't think you can just stay in just because you disagree. And they're like, well, we're not leaving, so it doesn't matter. And that's coming from the boss himself, Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. That's again, paraphrasing. And, you know, and again, is that information that you use in trial? Is that a crime? Is it damning? It, not necessarily. Right. And no one's saying that that information is going to be used at trial against Donald Trump. But could it be used to show frame of mind how they were thinking at that time? It could. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But at least in the public eye, it tells you, like, where these people are at. Right, where they were trying to go with this, what they were trying to do, and it just it, it, it helps to add another puzzle piece, right? right. And depending on your, um, depending on where you fall on the political aisle, is you know how you f will probably dictate how you feel about that information that's presented. Sydney Powell's situation is a little bit different because you know she is kind of she dug in in her proper session that she believed that there was foul play. Right with the election, but we also learn that she knows nothing about election law. She's not sure why Donald Trump picked her, but since he did pick her as a person to lean on from a legal standpoint, you know, trying to get her security clearance so she could be some sort of special counsel, um, you know, she did tell like she basically says like, look, I, I don't know shit about this, but you know, I figured if we could find some proof of you know, tampering or foul play that we could prove the case of fraud, right? Except for there was no evidence of the foul play or tampering and everything else. And they got dragged in that Dominion lawsuit. And again, they got booted out of every single court that they went into, you know, for lack of standing, not having a case or just doing everything completely wrong. Like you had a bunch of non-law educated people submitting these briefs. Um, you know, and her, her testimony, if she has to testify against Trump, poses problems for both the prosecution and the defense, right? And it relates to credibility. And it relates to just things that she said, whether they're true or not, like she's not a good witness, right? And now, is this her trying to make herself a bad witness? 
so she can just say, look, if I if I'm crazy enough, I can't help the prosecution or the defense. And maybe nobody ends up calling me up to testify because no one knows what's going to come out of my mouth. You're making me flash back to Uncle Junior when he pl- pl- pretended to have dementia yes. in The Sopranos. Just what day of the week is it? Vanilla, right? <laughs> um, and and that could that could be her play, right? And maybe her best play to basically not you know she takes this deal, but you don't want to get yourself in any more trouble. You you know maybe. Maybe Trump actually paid her, so she he did right by her, so she doesn't want to fuck him. Um, maybe that I don't know, but it seems like I, I think it's more probable that she's probably trying to make herself a bad witness to stay off the stand in a in a in a trial situation dealing with Donald Trump. Um, but she could just be flat out fucking crazy. Okay. You know, I, and I don't right. know. Yeah, I don't either. Right? I you know I didn't because and, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't I don't think in terms of making yourself seem like a bad witness. So you don't want me. I'm crazy. Look at me. Yeah. But um, I mean, but it's it, like the and the reason why I say it is because whether she's trying to do it or not, the reality is she she is a bad witness, right? If I'm on the if, whether I'm on either side of this, I don't know if I could call her to the stand because with as a witness, if I'm putting you on the stand. I am very confident that I know what you're going to say when I ask you the questions that I ask you, right? Chances are I've either had an opportunity to prepare you or prepare for you, but either way, I'm confident that when I ask question A, that I know to some degree what your answer to that question is going to be. With her, I don't think either side feels comfortable that they have that type of control, which means she may ne- she may never see the stand and again i don't know if that's her you know strategy strategy and and she's you know smart as crazy as a fox or if she's just crazy and she's just a bad witness because she's crazy i don't know that's a, a, that's a good call i wouldn't have thought of it from that angle but either way it's not good news for donald trump i mean shit's coming out jenna ellis does not seem crazy um no i mean in the stuff with jenna ellis like we didn't see her full her full thing um I, I uh, you know, I, I think she she seems like a per, like I, I believe her testimony. Um, I think the bigger thing with Jill, Jenna Ellis is does she, what does she actually, you know, she was the I think she she was more on the campaign side. I, what information does she have of value? Well, the the thing that they said we're not leaving no matter what. And well, we, yeah, we, that's, that's that's a big deal because that's it, that goes to okay. We're going to do whatever it takes to stay in power. But and does pro- that lead to January 6th? Does it lead to January 6th? Or tampering in Georgia. Right, but that's going to be hard to prove that it led to January 6th, right? Um, because, you know, like there wasn't, a, or we not that we know, maybe there was, but it wasn't, a, well, we don't know if it led to January 6th, it, but we can say that it, we know that we it feel like it did, right? It contributed, um, but the... The rebuttal against that is that, well, he did leave when he was supposed to. He did. Right. Now, there was a whole lot of shit between this party, right, (laughs) and him leaving, right? And so that's sort of the issue at question. But you could, they could say all they want that they're not going to leave the White House, but they did. Right. And, and now it leading to January 6th, the waters are very murky, right? Because yes, they had, there were rallies and Trump said, you know, fight like hell and everybody calm down. Country anymore. Right? But does that necessarily mean at any point did he mean for them to charge the Capitol building, kick in the doors, kick in windows, 
and you know go after uh, uh, Mike Pence and, and Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, and yeah. everybody else, right? Um, you know, resulting in that woman getting shot and those and those police officers getting beaten and some of them dying. Um, you know, you're reminding me of something from back in the Iran Contra days. I'm going to do the old guy thing on you here, where Ali North gave someone a a woman a um, a briefcase full of documents that were very incriminating, and told her to throw the briefcase into the Potomac River. His defense was, I told her to throw the briefcase into the river. I never said anything about the contents of the briefcase. It's like, okay, that makes my, um, <laughs> that makes my f- fondness of Bill Clinton's, it depends on what your definition of is, is. Uh, yeah. They're on par. It's uh, like yeah, I got complete. you. So anyway, all right. Um, so that's, you know, I mean, definitely not good for Trump, but I mean, it's, it's still a, a, just a complete shit show of a situation. I want to throw in one more thing, because we've talked about Biden's mental capacity m- multiple times. I watched Trump give a speech. I watched it today. I think it was a couple of days ago he gave it, where he starts talking about how he's talking about his indictments and how he thinks his parents would be proud of him. He looks up and says, Mom, Dad, are you proud of me? Then he brings up Al Capone. He says, Alphonse Capone, Scarface. He's got a scar from here to here. You don't get that playing tiddlywinks, and he only got indicted once. I've been indicted four times, and Al Capone would kill you if you smiled at him wrong. And I'm like, how is this not making everyone at that rally just go, what in the actual fuck are you talking about, you psychopath? Yeah, yeah, I mean... I uh, wanted to get that in there, because it was... Yeah, I mean, and look, again, he's but he's also, you know, 80 years old, and, you know, again, what are we doing in terms of age? Is it ageism? Yes, um... You know, I don't know if anybody's going to try to cancel me over ageism, given both candidates, you yeah. know, but um, somebody might. And it's just like, go for you it. know, so is your guy. So I, I don't know what to tell you. Or so is the other guy that you want out. Right. You're claiming and, that and, it's because of his age. So and I, hate, I hate that argument, though. That, oh, your guy sucks, too. OK, if they both right. suck, let's do something better. Yes. Um, you know, so shut down, delayed. Um, yeah, they great. got, we kicked the can down the road. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it's, it's, they, they, you know, I was listening to this and they kept calling it like this innovative solution. Cause it's a two part thing. And Mike, Oh my God. Um, Mike Johnson. Yeah. Okay. Look, yeah, it's a different type of continuing resolution, but it's still just like you said, kicking the can down the road. But fortunately our government isn't shut down and it's bought more time, but you know, like you can't continue to do this. You have to figure out a budget which means you're going to have to compromise. Democrats, you're going to have to accept some cuts. Republican, you're going to have to make those cuts reasonable. Um, you know, the Republicans are going to want to cut from programs that help people. Democrats are going to want to cut from the military. Ra- ra- you know, raise taxes more than um, You know, defense budget, raise taxes, everything else. Like, I, it, but so there's got to be some sort of compromise. Like, the only way that this gets resolved is everybody being unhappy in the end. Right. Like that's the only way that it gets resolved and no one's willing to accept that. Um, so until they are willing to accept that you're not going to get what you want, you're not going to be happy. You're both going to have to accept cuts that you don't want. Like taxes are going to have to go up um, in some way, shape or form, uh, which, you know, that's going to piss people off. And, uh, you know, that's going to piss the citizenry off and everything sure. else. But none of us are going to be happy when this is if this, if this is done right, there should be very few happy people. Um but it solves a problem. Well, that's a weird thing to say. It's 100% accurate. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's really the, the, the only way to, to resolve it, especially given where we're at right now. Um, you want George Santos. Yes, I was going to say, 
Trump did not have the worst week. George Santos. Oh, well, well, so we'll start with George Santos, and then we'll get into other nonsense in Congress. But George Santos, I mean, last time we talked about them, you know, they had, you know, there was a vote to expel him from Congress. He survives. And I'm like, look, based off of what we have right now, yes, he's been indicted, and we know about the lying about his resume, but you can't expel him until, you know, you get, you know, more evidence, you have some sort of due process as it relates to it. At least I did, you know, I did say let the ethics committee finish their investigation. Oh, well, they did. Well, they did. <laughs> oh, this guy. I mean, we like, look, we knew his background was bullshit, but they, I mean, they're saying like, look, he just flat out made shit up. He never worked at these places. You know, they, he didn't like, they, he told his staff he owned a Maserati. He never owned a Maserati. Um, like it's lavish trips to Atlantic city, Jim. Yes. Cause if you've been to Atlantic city, lavish is the first word that comes to mind. Right. Um, uh, and but, Vegas, but, but he's, but he's, he's getting, he's those trips to Vegas and the lavish trips were paid for with donor campaign. money. Yes. Campaign donor. That's right. illegal as fuck. Yes. I mean, he, you know, writing loans from, you know, his companies to himself, cashing them out. Um, you know, putting his companies in, you know, hiring his own companies to, um, to his campaign and then cashing in on those to the tune of like $200,000, um, you know, paying for only fans through campaign funds, you know, buying, you know, going to Botox, yeah, Botox (laughs) injections, um, you know, buying, you know, fancy, accessories and luxury clothes, clothes yep. and all this other shit, all with campaign money. Um, and, you know, they're saying there's more fraud. They turned over uh, crime to the... Uh, uh, DOJ, I'm guessing. Yeah, to the Department of Justice. Uh, just really, really ugly stuff. Um, and, you know, said to the point where even his own staff said, like, he lies so much that they asked him to go get help. Uh, it just like Just a mess to the point where... Like, it was obvious through this investigation that, like, look, this guy is not fit to be a congressman. Now, George Santos' response was, well, that was bias, but I won't run again if you guys are going to be jerks about it, right? Like, um, it's just insane how unbelievably unself-aware he is. Um, But it looks like they're going to have another vote on him, on expelling him sometime this month. Um, And we're already at November 17th, so it seems like they're going to hurry that through. And all the talk about, you know, um, you know, like Republicans wanting to keep him in because they needed that extra seat. The fact that they're just like, whoa, okay, <laughs> the fuck sting that. on this guy is so bad, right? We'll, we'll... Like we can't do it. I mean, that's a hell of a flip. And I mean, I, I'll I'll eat crow on it. Um, I, not completely though, no. because I did say due process, sure. and I think a, you know, an ethics committee investigation is that. Um, you know, you have the whole process with his with his indictments, um, and I think you know. Look, we, we, you, that has to be taken under consideration. But now I think you've got enough to say, like, look, this guy got to go. You know, I've known a handful of compulsive liars in my life, mm-hmm. and they have a pattern. There's a style of the way they say things, and it's always you're the they're the victim. You know, you're they're being persecuted. They're always, the, and this is exactly that pattern. I just I haven't seen it unfolding on on this Congress, stage, right? On this, stage. On, on this type of yes. platform, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so look, it, it's I, I've I've George Santos get out, right? Bob Menendez go, right? Like I, I don't have a, 
issue with seeing these people leave. Um, I think we do want to just make sure that we can that we have something to stand on when we do it. Sure. And we're not just booting people because you know we don't like them or they say things that we don't like. But when you've got you know now you know mounting evidence of like literally lies, treachery, and deceit, then you know I mean I think we gotta we gotta make a move. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And as Menendez, I don't know what his due process status is. I was one of the first ones saying, due process be damned when I'm talking about Menendez. Just like, get your shit together, dude, because you got stuff going on and it's hurting your country and your party. Now, look, and, I, now, I think, should they put, you know, should Democrats put pressure on Menendez to resign? Sure. I think so. You know, will they, are they? No, not really. And, you know, arguably other, you know, bigger fish to fry. Um, but I don't want... Menendez hanging out there, like, we're no. not going to acknowledge it, given, you know, I mean, he's not that far off. Like, I mean, George Santos is a special breed of ridiculous. Um, but, you know, Bob Menendez just being, you know, this bumbling idiot just trying to get, you know, I mean, he he reminds you of the caricature of the fat politician with money and gold coming oh, out yeah, of his pockets. Pocket, yeah. um, and, you know, the imagery of loan, it's like, get this guy the fuck out of here. And I want to stay true to the idea of giving people due process, but there's got to be there's got to be something with with just egregious behavior like this. And I think the solution is, you know, individual parties put pressure on yeah. your people and get them out of there. Uh, but you know, we'll see where it goes. Hopefully, Congress does the right thing, um, at least with Santos and and Punsum. Anything else with Congress this week you want to talk about? Speaking of bad behavior at Congress, these fucking people. So Kevin McCarthy, our former Speaker of the House, gets ousted by, you know, the whatever, eight. sketchy eight or whatever they're calling him, um, led by Matt Gates. And Matt Gates goes and he's got his eight Republicans and then he goes to the Democrats and Democrats are like, hey, we don't mind making a mess of things. We'll vote with you. So they all vote. They get the vote. Out goes McCarthy. In comes Mike Johnson. McCarthy is bitter. And so apparently the other day, Kevin McCarthy is walking down the hallway and then he elbows Tim Burchett, who is, I think, a congressman out of Florida, maybe, um, elbows him in the back and then they have an exchange and this is caught on camera. And, you know, the, the I haven't know, seen this one. Yeah. Burchett, is, it, is it blatant? Oh, uh, I don't I don't know. Like, because like, they're focused on Burchett and then McCarthy obviously walks by. Burchett looks at him. You know, says something to him off camera, and then they have an exchange back, back and forth. Brichette calls McCarthy pathetic, and like they're yelling, shouting back and forth down the halls of Congress. Like it's like it literally looked like something out of WWE, right? Like it looks like a Vince McMahon production. When I get you in the ring, you're meat. Yeah, it was just like not even that. Just the you know, this like back and forth. Like, what are you gonna do about it, man? What are you gonna do about it? Oh man, I did your mother last night. Oh man, yeah, good joke, you small bit, blah blah blah. Like it just, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, and and you know, McCarthy's bitter because he gets out, he gets ousted, and Brichette is one of the people who voted against him, and. You know, I, I think McCarthy, if he did truly elbow him, is showing his true color shit we've said about him before that, you know, he's a spot like that's a pussy move, right? Oh, you're walking by, I'm gonna elbow you in the back. Like it's it's like that thing in high school when you're trying to start a little trouble but don't really want it, so you shoulder bump someone and just keep on right, walking. And you keep on scurrying it along and, and you know, McCarthy like there's plenty of people between them, so McCarthy's like, Oh, what are you gonna do about it, huh? And there's like eight people between them. So yeah, I'm sure you you wanted all the smoke, Kevin. Um, but that's not the main event. No, no. So 
Well, we'll, we'll do these in order of, of dramatics. So then you had Jared Moskowitz and uh, James Comer in this, in this back and forth. Now, they're talking about Biden loaning his mother, his brother money, right? And then Comer is saying, that's evidence of, of money laundering and fraud corruption, and yeah. corruption, right? And Moskowitz, Jared Moskowitz points out to Comer, like, hey, you gave your brother a loan for $200,000. How is that any different than Biden giving his brother a loan for $200,000? And they get into a back and forth. Comer calls Moskowitz, says he looks like a Smurf. Um, you know, like they, and then they just start talking over each other. And it literally sounds like a clip from political fighting in a South Park episode. Um, it, it just, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Like the way that these people are acting, right? And like, look, this, this is our like, Congress. These are, the, you know, now Comer and Moskowitz are on opposite, you know, one's a sure. Democrat, one's a Republican, but. You know, Burchett and McCarthy are both Republicans, right? right? So, you know, but they like those two things weren't like weren't even the most ridiculous, right? The most ridiculous happens on the Senate in the Senate's on the Senate side, Senate chamber, where you've got Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma, and yes, his first name is Mark Wayne, all one word. Okay, Mullen, um, you know, bigger guy, thicker neck type, blue collar looking guy, and he literally challenges. Uh, the Teamsters president, Sean O'Brien, to a fight, right? It's like, oh, you want to run your mouth? Oh, yeah, I'll run my mouth. You stand up. All right, you stand up. So then the senator stands up, right, and starts making his way towards the Teamsters president, right? And Bernie Sanders, oh, whoa, 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 you know, old Jew guy, right? Oh, whoa, whoa, everybody, yeah, whoa, whoa, you are a United States senator, right? And again, like, right, you're a United States senator, I don't remember who, and all this going on, I don't remember who said it. I think it was Comer who tried to downplay the whole thing. I could be wrong. It could have been any of these guys. You know, it's really not that big a deal. I mean, Andrew Jackson challenged nine people to duels. and we had. That's your defense? We had a guy shoot someone else. That's your defense. All I was going to do was fist fight on the floor of Congress they, Wasn't Aaron Burr killed in a duel? Yeah, by Alexander Hamilton. Oh, no, so Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton. Yes, 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 yes. That's right, that's right. But that was 1760, whatever. You know, Andrew Jackson, fast forward 100 years, is doing that shit. And I'd like to think we're getting better, but we're not. It's fucking ridiculous. But, you know, I'm going to use one example that I usually will avoid. But if you or I acted like any of these guys in an office setting, if we're lucky, we're just taking a walk down to HR. We're Dude, probably packing up our desk. If I elbow somebody, it, like if I, worked for a, if I worked for a firm or, you know, even when I worked for First American, what, and I walked down that, and me, my big you're, ass you're, elbowing you're, somebody? Uh, well, I'm mean, trying no, to light somebody up, but I'm assuming this was like a chicken even wing. Even still, like I mean, you've you felt you have felt me jokingly tap you before, and me going a little harder than I intended to, okay. right? Like so, I mean, in an office. Oh yeah, setting, by the way, I'd like to see an HR. <laughs> <laughs> Whiskey Congress HR. See, see me after the show. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's in that harp glass. Um, it's a Guinness glass. Uh, it's a harp. Is that not a harp on the back of the glass? It's the symbol for Guinness, which is what is written. What on is the glass. it? And we're not okay. It's, okay. It, that symbol is a harp. It's a Guinness glass. Thank you. Um, 
any, oh yeah, this, this, we're being productive now. You know what? Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll be a Huckleberry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. I mean, we literally are having an 80-year-old man telling two other men, sit down, you're not doing this right now. Right. By the way, my burning impersonation is much better than yours. Yes, um, I'll give you that. Um, uh, absolutely insane. Like, the only person here that, like, has no culpability is the Teamsters president. Like, look, somebody challenges you to a fight, bro. you got to step up. So, I, I'm not mad at oh, him. And by, and by the way, that guy's probably fought a few times in his life. He, he's always a big dude. Now, the other dude was a big dude. Although, I think M- Mark Wayne Mullen, I think he's got, like, an MMA background. So, I don't know. That would have been an interesting fight Either to let way. play out. And <laughs> I don't know. Like, part of me is, let, let, let him, him fight. <laughs> Right, maybe we actually get something accomplished. It's like, all right, look, I beat you in hand-to-hand combat. Like, whatever issue you brought to the floor, you lose. Right, and you I know you would. Lo- I know you would love that to be the way we settle things. Sometimes, because but... sometimes it's just better, right? Like, because if you let people, if if it's all running your mouth, everybody can run their mouth, right? Like, you just run your mouth endlessly, whether you win or lose. And we're seeing that with one Donald Trump right now, right? A good slap. I don't know. Maybe he shuts the hell up. <laughs> all right. Um... You want to move on to Joe Manchin real yeah. quick? So Joe Manchin has said he's not running for re-election as a senator in West Virginia. He was directly asked um, in a CNN interview, are you considering a presidential run? And he said he is considering it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it would be independent. I don't know if he would challenge. Or win. Dem- or but, what? I mean. It just muddies things up kind of like 2016. There Joe were- Manchin loves him some Joe Manchin. Right? He comes across as... I'm just this honest, straightforward guy. I tell it like it is. He's a fucking diva. He likes the attention, right? He thought that he had the keys to the castle and everything, and he was going to be the Speaker of the House. And then... Senate. Or, I'm sorry, Speaker, you know, uh, the Senate Majority Leader. Yep. You know, and then they end up voting in, you know, they end up going with Nancy Pelosi and all this other stuff. And then it, it just... He or yeah. uh, not, not Nancy. I'm sorry, yeah. uh, Chuck Schumer, yes. and then it, it just like his importance, especially when they got a little bit of separation in the Senate, like kind of diminishes. So now he's got to rely on Kristen Cinema, but then Kristen Cinema goes off because nobody likes her because she's you know flaky and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then he, again, his his impact is minimized. And he's not getting the attention. No one really cares how he votes. And so he's like, fuck it. Then I'm going to get out. Maybe he's going to run for president. He's probably not. Um, you know, one of his staffers said that he's going to go around the country trying to gather the moderate vote to get them to vote for the right candidate. And he said he absolutely cannot and will not vote for Donald Trump. But he doesn't know if he could vote for Biden. And if he does, he needed certain promises like I don't know. I just think that Joe Manchin got tired of not being in the spotlight, so he had to do something to get Joe Manchin in the spotlight. I also think Joe Manchin saw the writing on the wall and said, if I run again for Senate in West Virginia, I'm probably losing. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, that's probably part of it, right? And like, So you put that all into the mix, and then this is what we get. Well, Joe, see ya. Yeah, you know, now that's tough for Democrats it because is. I mean, like, seat, you're yep. not gonna you're not gonna replace them with a Democrat. Um, you're losing Menendez, right? Um, Hopefully, <laughs> you know. And so you, yeah. you've got some uphill battles, right? Um, Your razor thin majority. Now he's gonna stay in office until 2024. Yeah, Manchin is still. So you know, but you're right. A Democrat winning a Senate seat in West Virginia right now sounds pretty fucking unlikely, right? Um. All right, um, 
Gaza. God, yeah, Ukraine. just, I mean, well, the whole, so I've been watching a lot of debates, typically between, you know, pro-Palestinian and pro-Israeli Israeli, uh, you know, representatives on various shows. I can't imagine and, that's been productive. It is not. It is not at all. But it, I had this weird thought the other day because it's, you know, as much as I've been critical of the Israeli Defense Forces and all that, and I stand by everything I've said, if I put myself in their shoes, it's kind of like that old adage when you're dealing with terrorists. Like, you can't be right 99% of the time and call it successful. Mm-hmm. 1% failure means death. And I was upstairs a minute ago making sure I got this right, but when they talk about, oh, you know, this, the IDF um, shot and killed this guy in a wheelchair. Or sh- terrible. Awful. But... It made me think of the movie American Sniper. When Bradley Cooper shoots a kid and a woman, they do have an RPG. But when you have war, ugly, ugly shit happens. And when you put yourself in the shoes of either side, you can understand how it's gotten so ugly. I wish I could come up with something even resembling a logical solution, but I can't. I mean, I don't have a ton to comment on it because I don't think there's much that anyone... There's anything... There's not much intelligent that anyone can say about this not being there. We're, we're kind of at that point, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, because, I mean... The you, toothpaste you, out of the tube. Right. I mean, there's a lot of blood on a lot of different hands here. Um, you know, your empathy lies with the with the innocent victims of all this and the, uh, the just massive amounts of collateral damage. Um you know, you've got Hamas as a terrorist organization. You've got, you know, the Israeli government that is just going in and saying, fuck all, you know, yeah. we're, we're going to basically raise it to the ground. And, you know, look, can you blame Israelis for being defensive? Can no. you blame Palestinians for wanting independence and freedom? Um, nope. You know, and, and I just, I don't have anything to add to this. Um, there's nothing that I could say that I think enhances the conversation. I think saying you know too much more just is kind of foolish in my my opinion. Um, I think you know, and that's what I think of a lot of the people who are constantly commenting on it, um, you know, from a distance, and you know, just kind of lobbing shots back and sure. forth. And and look, I mean, I think we need to be talking about solutions. But again, like I just, it's beyond my ability to problem solve. You know, Mine as well. I, and, and, I, and apparently and it's, it's also beyond everyone else's because right. no one's coming up with and, shit. And, and maybe that's part of the problem, right? It's just like, I don't know what to do, and it's just we'll leave it up to the people on the ground. And leaving it up to the people on the ground there, this is, this is the result. You know, U.S., if you're not going to go in and, and help to stop this, right, then... I, and is that even an option? No. If we put our soldiers there, not, they're going to be targets too. It's not. It's not an option. Under any circumstances, it's an option. We can't. Agreed. Right? We're gonna throw ourselves in the middle of the Middle East and it's just us and Israel like that. No. Like that. <laughs> you want to talk about World War Three, that's three, four, five, and six. Um you know, and and then you know, what about the innocent people in, in Gaza? I, you know, so I I, right. I I can't um not not with this. I mean, I think Ukraine we're at we're at that I mean, we're at a point now, like we're approaching two years, right? Yeah. With this February. Um and going on way longer than anybody thought by a lot, and it's ugly and it's dragging on. And you know, I saw something coming out of uh, you know the Ukrainian side saying we're at an impasse, and this is kind of where we're at, you know. And so, uh, you know, if Vladimir Putin isn't really 
trying to figure out an out, and he's just going to keep going forward until he crushes Ukraine, and Ukraine just refuses to give up fighting, and they're doing a decent job of it, then I, I don't, again, I don't know what the solution is, right? The only, the only solution I see for Russia and Ukraine is Putin being overthrown. We said that a year and a half ago. Yeah. I um, mean, that's, uh, but maybe that's no, because the only thing is with Putin getting overthrown, who's overthrowing him? Right. Also very valid. I right. Mean, is it, it is it somebody that thinks that they got a better plan to end this war in terms of, you know, more aggression towards Ukraine? Or is it somebody that wants to get them out of this all the way and just says, all right, let's figure out a way to peacefully withdraw everybody and, hey, sorry, we'll do better. I, meet, I don't say, know. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. It, yeah, you know. it could be. I don't know. Like, I, So even Putin Great. being removed from the picture may not provide it the, could the, get the solution that we think. Right. Right. Great. Okay, so there's, uh, us, there's us providing, <laughs> right. us providing I mean, nothing. Yeah. Right, I mean, and it just, I think that at some point you have to acknowledge that as, as two people from the very far outside looking in, you know, sure. you can try to provide, like at, at some point you have to recognize that you're not bringing value by talking about something. I don't want to avoid it, but at the same time, guys, I, like sometimes I just reach a capacity point and I don't want to just regurgitate other stuff that people are saying and I don't want to make shit up. And if we're talking about it, I want to bring value to it. And I, I don't think it brings any value other than to remind people to be human and decent about yeah, this. It's still going on. Look at right. Ukraine has been kicked down the news cycle by George Santos and this, in the U.S. I mean, I'm sure yeah. in I Europe. Mean, it's and a part of it, like, look, I mean, some of this fatigue has been going on for, again, yeah. almost two years. Um, you know, continuing to talk about it, it's just like, look, if they're going to keep doing it, like, I don't know. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm fine. I, I, I feel inappropriate not acknowledging that this is yeah. happening, but I'm also going to say, right. I don't have anything of a value, a value to, to offer. Yep. Um, domestically, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about this. I saw, so the FCC passed a new rule, um, that will, you know, people are, like conservatives in the right are posting it as FCC has taken over the internet, right? Um, but what this rule is, is that it allows for the FCC to look at broadband companies in terms of providing access to broadband and internet to, you know, underserved communities. Now, most of that is going to be targeted at, at, you know, black, you know, people of color, you know, communities of color um, um, that are, you know, that don't make money, right? Low income communities of color, poor communities, poor black communities, however you want to describe it. Um, and what it's basically saying is that, look, broadband companies, like you need to basically equally provide internet service to these communities because internet service has become a basic utility. Um, and if you're not, if you're not putting in the investment and the infrastructure for internet and broadband in these communities, then you know you could be forced through. You can be forced to through civil action. Basically saying that by not providing utilities and denying it because of income and, you know, racial demographic um, that, you know, you could be held liable. Um, now, it's, it, look, on the surface, it sounds like this is a good thing, providing internet to these underserved communities. And it is. The question will become, if you're saying the internet is a basic utility and that it must be provided to these different communities, Due to these communities, whether they can afford it or not, um, and th then what level of control does that give you then 
because it's a you know considered a, a, nece- a necessity and a right. utility, and the government has control to force make sure that people have it. Then do they control content? Do they control what you can you know absorb and, and or consume? Um, are they going to be watching what you're watching? You know, like so. And you know, the biggest thing is like, can I still watch my porn? Right, is going to be the big thing on everybody's mind. But then you've got your conspiracy nuts and your gun people who you know have you know, valid concerns there. Um, and, you know, pretty much any group that feels that it, whatever they're doing, the government may not like, or just don't want the government knowing about whatever their reason is, it's called privacy, you know, and that's the big question. Like, does this invade, does this lead to a path of invading people's privacy or, you know, exerting some sort of control over the people um, because you're making it a basic utility, right? Now, are people getting to the point that I'm getting to, are they taking that path? I think they're just looking at it and say, oh, it's more government and the government's going to control the internet, right? I, I think it's more of the latter, but I think that when you actually play it out, that there, there are reasons to be concerned about this. And I think that we'll see a challenge that gets its way up to the Supreme Court because this is a little different than... You know, the ATF going back, backtracking and making rules and making guns that are legal, illegal, right? And then saying that if you're caught with this gun that you bought that was legal, but now it's illegal, then you can go to prison for 10 years and, oh, it's going to cost us a billion dollars to enforce this. That law gets thrown out, right? And that's relating to pistol braces. Um, Some other laws that they tried to do with the other rules the ATF tried to make have recently been thrown out at the federal level. Um, You know, the Supreme Court came back and pushed back against the EPA saying the same thing. Like, EPA, you are an agency. You cannot make rules and then enforce them against people, right, without that going through Congress and making it an actual executive, you know, legislative, like, without making it law. And so, but this is a little bit different because these are civil rights protections that they're basically trying to make the argument for. And, and and so the FCC is a regulatory agency, not an enforcement agency. Yeah, so I it's know a bit different. it's it's different, right? Like there's other there's a lot of differences, the differentiators here, which is why I think that this could end up in front of the Supreme Court. And I I honestly am not sure where it goes. Right? I haven't dug in and looked at it and compared case law, so I'm not giving you a, a you know actual legal analysis. But I'm just saying the path where I could see this going is what I previously just said. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And I'm, I'm thinking about a bunch of things. I'm thinking about, so there is government regulation with other utilities, like you're not allowed to shut people's gas off or electric off when the temperature's below a certain level because the government isn't going to let a privately held utility company let a family freeze to death because they're behind on their payments. Then I thought, what about water? And then I thought about Flint, Michigan, and mm-hmm. how that was a public utility that was provided to a community in a horrible fashion that we talked about Four years ago, and the reason I'm getting kind of you know, shaking my head is, I wonder if that's even close to fixed. It's, no, I mean, they've done different things. It's like, it was a big problem that there was no quick fix. Right. Right. This wasn't something that they were going to be able to turn around and fix immediately. So we knew it was going to take time. Now, the question is, it's been multiple years and you know where are we with it have we seen the amount of progress that we should in that situation the answer is no um and i'm close to it just because it's you know there's a housing connection here um and it's something that actually was brought up at a conference that i was at a couple years ago 
about the impact on water and housing development and economic development in that area um, and how in some ways it's kind of spurred some economic development uh, around it, but it's also really hurt it in a lot of different ways and why things like this, why maintaining good utilities and, qual and access to utilities is important even in these neighborhoods because if they any chance they have at recovering – Right, is sure. going to be related to their ability to support that recovery through our basic infrastructure. Right. Yeah. So if I can't put a building here, if I can't get clean water, if I don't have reliable access to internet, like I can't start a business here. Right. Sure. If, so the, like there's a lot of questions here, and this is not nearly as cut and dry as, oh, there's a big government forcing private to do stuff that they right. don't want to do. And but like there's a, there, there, this is, this is a heavier one and a heavier lift from a legal standpoint and being mad at it just because, you know, they're saying the government's going to be controlling the internet is not right, but also being wary of it because the government could actually control the internet by using a back door like this is something to be concerned about. But having access to quality utilities or reliable utilities, such as water, electricity, internet in these different areas that are depressed is important. If we actually care about seeing these areas become you know, make that flip sure. into, you know, better places. I mean, if you're in that community and you want to find a job, today right. the internet is pretty fucking pivotal to that. Yes, yes you can walk in a, you know, knock on a restaurant door if you want to do that, but if you're trying to find a job that advances you. Well, but in those places, right, like you go to the east side of Cleveland, how many places are you going to walk in that actually have the internet? Right, like on the west side of Cleveland, you can walk in on any of these little coffee shops and cafes. Anywhere and, except the VIP. Right. <laughs> They actually have Wi-Fi. Do they really? Yeah, it just sucks. You're kidding me. Yeah, they have it. Okay. It just sucks. Okay. I've never even tried the inside baseball I had stuff. To, like, I, I think I actually had to show Marty how to reset the internet one day. <laughs> I apologize to the listeners. It's a bit of inside baseball stuff, but trust me, it's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even those dipshits have the internet. Wow. <laughs> I've never even asked. Yeah, I... I I'm amazed years, they have a functional fryer. Year, years ago, I jo I made a joke about it, and the bartender was like, yeah, we have internet. Like, what do you think this is? I'm like, the VIP. I'll tell you exactly what it right. is. Right. And so she, you know, she gives me the the password. I'm like, oh, shit. But it's real spotty, and it's not. All, it doesn't always work. Um, I'm hoping the password wasn't something racist. It wasn't. Um, but you had to think about it. <laughs> I did, because... Because it's... It's, it's anyway. the place. All right. And it's a place where I'm very well loved. You accepted. are very well loved. It's crazy. Accepted. Better than it anyone no else sense. I know there. Even to the point where I've told Marty, like, "Hey, can you tone down the racism? Because you know, there's other black people here besides me." And he like apologized. He's like, "I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm sorry. God damn it! Like, I'm getting better." <laughs> and it's genuine. He's an old guy. He's been around. He's an old West Side Clevelander. And I know no racism is acceptable, but he is what he is. But he's been a really good guy and pretty good friend and been good to us. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, anyway, behind right, the yes. curtain, weird yeah, bullshit yeah. with us. Yes. Uh, so that's the FCC and the broadband decision. Um, so I threw this up last minute. Um, so last night kind of a bombshell came out that, um, there was an R and B performer. Her name was Cassie. She was young when she came on the scene, like 17, 18. Um, she, you know, Diddy founder, Sean Puffy Combs, P Diddy, Puff Daddy, whatever the many names, um, Diddy kind of took her under his belt. She was on the bad boy label. They ended up in a relationship where people were like, man, you're 37. She's 19. This is weird. And she swore it was all good. And she wanted to be in the relationship. He said it was all, you know, up and up. And everybody's like, okay, 
Well, recently she like just filed against him, claiming uh, basically kidnapping, sexual abuse, sex trafficking, um, you know, mental abuse, the whole gamut. Like now, it's a civil, not criminal, correct? This is civil, yes. Now, now you know, Twitter X, whatever goes crazy. You already have a hashtag that says "Surviving Diddy." This, 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 um, uh, this case against him is is damning. What she's saying, if it's true, Diddy's pro- like got problems. Um, other stuff started to come up about when about between Justin Bieber and Usher because these are all people that he, you know, had a big part of kind of bringing up along the way. I think some of that is sort of. I don't know. I, I think some people are kind of jumping on the bandwagon with some of this. But look, I mean, Diddy's got a long list of women that he's been with, and he's got a lot of exes. His his ex-wife, the mother of his children, died in a very suspicious fashion. Oh, a I few, didn't know that. Yeah, she died a few years ago. They said it was like pneumonia, but then there were you know some toxins found in her system. So then was she on drugs? Was she poisoned? Now, like, there's a lot of different stuff. I don't know, but I think, you know, like, Diddy's a guy that, you know, he's done a lot of good things. His reputation has been mostly good, but there have always been rumblings. Um, I know 50 Cent a while ago that, you know, said that a lot of shit was going to come out about Diddy and, and, you know, like, they are somewhat rivals and 50 Cent has made fun of Diddy's body shape a lot. Um which for a while 50 couldn't because he got a little chubby, but he got himself back into shape, but still. Um, so I don't know where this goes, but it's something worth watching because it would be interesting if he went down. Well, I want to s- clarify something I said because I pointed out that it was civil, not criminal, and that's not a shot at Cassie. That's not a, no. you're just looking for money because if you're trying to get stuff exposed, the rules are so much different, in, and I know I'm talking to a lawyer, but so much different in a civil case than it is in a criminal case in terms of burden of proof. Well, and, and the issue that you have with the criminal, I think you got statute of limitations based on when that relationship was. I don't know what it, it And, I mean, it was, oh, my God, it was 15 years ago. And um, maybe longer. I do have, like, I think back to the Matt Ariza, the punter the Bills drafted. He was involved in an incident that was ugly, but it turned out his career got thrown in the blender and it turned out that, oh, when this young girl, he was at an off-campus San Diego State party, and this young woman gets raped. I don't like you going down this road. Well, but the accusation comes out there, and then a year later, like, oh, he was 10 miles away when this happened. Yeah, let's not. The, I'm, okay, I'm hold just, on. With Matt Ariza, the issue was he had sex with a girl, leaves, she gets raped after the fact. Correct. Right? Now... No, he didn't do... Did he do anything wrong? Well, We don't know. We don't know if he did anything wrong because her getting raped had nothing to do with him. Correct. That part of it. But you also have a girl who was very, very drunk. Yes. So I don't think the idea that he's out of the... Like, he's completely innocent in all this because fucking someone who's not coherent is not exactly above board. So you're right, but, like, Come on. I, well, like, there, there are a lot of details that came out that really made it sound like he was not a, a bad guy in this case. I mean, a bunch of... I'm not saying he was. I, I don't know either. It's, That's my point, though, is it comes out years later. Right. Like, the, but like, let's not... Like, like, tell the whole story, right? Like, it's not like he didn't know the girl was 10 miles away. She got raped and she pointed at him. They actually... There, there was reason to be concerned, right? Well, he, he left her a voicemail saying, I have chlamydia. You might want to get checked. 
Right. That didn't help his case. No. So, like, let's, like, <laughs> different, not apples to apples. Right. But I'm just, when something comes out 10 years later and says, oh, this happened, it's like, all right, well. Right. And listen, here's the thing. The, that case is is different, though, and here's why. It's the NFL. You're saying his career would blah, blah, blah. Like, the NFL is real finicky about any sort of information that comes out. A guy that I played with, David Sanger, got signed to the Carolina Panthers and then got interviewed, made a comment about Todd Sauerbrunn, I think, who was their punter at the time. I know Todd Sauerbrunn personally. I know, I know. <laughs> well, I know. not really. Almost, I didn't want to even say it. But, th- like... He made a comment about Todd Sauerbrunn in an interview, and they cut him because of the comment that he made, right? Like oh, yeah. So, I mean, NFL teams, like, it's not like, like, look, this girl could have came out and said, hey, I had weird sex with Matt Ariza. He spit in my mouth. I spit in his and stuck a finger up my ass. Is it rape? No, but he's weird. And the Bills might have cut him because of that, right? Like, so it's a little bit different because of the sensitivity to the situation. Like, this is, this, this is a lot different, right? Because she's saying... Like, he did it. She's filing a suit against him. In that situation, you had a junk girl who's not sure, it's unclear, and the bills cut him because, like, I don't know, bro, and I don't care. Go figure that out. Go right, away. Right, right. Right? Like, this is, like, it's this not a multi-year relationship. Yes, but, okay. This is a lot different than that, and I think we just need to pay attention to it because it'll be interesting to see what happens, and then, because Diddy has literally legitimately built an empire, right? He's, he's a hip-hop yeah. billionaire, and if it comes out that he was a sexually abusive, you know, talking about sex trafficking, was he pimping her out, right? And then did he do this with other girls? Like, I mean, like, is Diddy a fucking monster? Well, I mean, Cause, how, how, you, you made Surviving Diddy as a reference to Surviving R. Kelly. Yes. And when that all came out, it was like, holy fuck. Yes, um, and now, and before that came out, I had told you. Yeah, you said it was no shock when it. Right, uh, you know, I mean, just based off my experience dealing with R. Kelly while I was in Chicago dealing with his trial, um, so you know, just something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, well, it's, it, the story will develop. Yeah. All right, um, we should probably wrap this up. Yep. Real quickly, um, the Michigan football program had Harbaugh suspended for three games of sideline time, but not. Yeah, I, I almost a few weeks. Let's not bring only because I think there's a lot of talk to talk about with this, with James Madison not being able to play in a bowl game, and I really okay. have to go because okay. I have to make a call. So um, we'll talk more sports next time. Maybe we'll do a little bit of sports talk this weekend and get that released. Um, but go do your thing. Good, yeah. good seeing you, man. And we are done. 